with your host, Coach Danielle McCartan. You can follow her work on Twitter at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. At long last, I am back on your airwaves, in your your iPads, on your iPhones, on your computers. Yes, I'm Danielle McCartney, and we are back with 60-Minute Overtime Fall 2017 episode numero uno, number one. Today is October 15th, Sunday, October 15th, 2017. Oh, man, we've got a stacked show for you today. I don't know why I keep saying we. It's always I. I have a stacked show for you guys today. At 11.15, I have Sid Rosenberg. He's the coast a co-host of Bernie and Sid Show on ABC Radio New York. You may remember him from his days at WFAN. He'll be joining us at 11.15 on the call-in line. Uh, also, later on in the show, 20, uh, four-time World Series champion all-star pitcher Jeff Nelson. I previewed the a lot of different things. Uh, Gene Stick Michael, uh, this was pre-recorded at a Mint Pros event, and we talked about just the uh, the playoff atmosphere in the, in the MLB. We took a more analytical approach to that. Uh, if you have missed me and you didn't know where to find me, here's my stuff, www.prosportsrundown.com, Twitter at Coach, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Tons of YouTube videos are up there. Search Coach, space, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. SoundCloud.com slash Coach McCartan. Also on demand, so if you guys didn't do your homework, you know, you should have. Subscribe to my iTunes podcast. If not, here's your chance. Just type in in, uh, in the App Store, type in Coach uh, McCartan, uh, the iTunes store, I should say. Also on TuneIn Radio, under the show's name, 60 Minute Overtime, and play.google.com slash Coach McCartan. So there's plenty of places for you to find me. There's no excuse for you not to keep up with me. All right, and obviously, and you, you are a, a large part of this show, so please, here's the call-in number. Got something to say? Call the studio, 201 201- Eight two five one two three four. So let's just ju- dive right in here. The New York Yankees. I got. I you know those of you who are, are longtime Yankee fans might remember this song. No? Anybody? Anybody remember this song? This is like the 1999 version of this. They mentioned Bernie and everybody in this song. Um, Here we are again, though. Just like 1999, the Yankees are back in the playoffs. They are back into the ALCS, which is the American League Championship Series. If you don't know exactly what that is, that means that if the Yankees win this series, they go on to the World Series. They are playing the Houston Astros. Uh, Last night... The Astros took the uh, commanding series lead. They are now leading the series 2-0. Uh, last night, the Astros beat the Yankees 2-1. Justin Verlander uh, threw up a complete gem, complete game, nine innings pitched, something like 14 strikeouts or something. The game-winning run, where Jose Altuve scored it from first in the bottom of the ninth inning on a base hit to right field. Uh, just good baseball. He made a he made a, a gutsy call, but his uh, his runner Carlos Correa slid into second base and disrupted the momentum of, of Didi Gregorius throwing that ball home, and uh, he scored, which should have been he should have been dead in the water at home plate. It was an offline throw from Judge. Gregorius caught it, 
threw a one-hopper strike to the plate, and Gary Sanchez muffed it. He didn't catch it. If he had caught it, Jose Altuve, the fastest runner probably in the MLB, would have been out four mile, and he couldn't come up with it, which is just, you know, complete and, and utter disgraceful. It's just disgraceful. You know, you're a major league catcher. You have defensive woes to begin with. You know, it's like a, I hate to say, but it's a rookie mistake that you can't come up and, and catch a ball as a runner's running down on you. You practice that from Little League. You know, you practice that from Little League, and here you are in the major leagues where it matters most for the Yankees, and you can't come up with it. In the post game, through his interpreter, he said that he just missed it. Well, yeah, that's true. You missed it. And now the Yankees are down 2-0, and they're bringing the series back to New York now. We were worried about the Yankees pitching going into this um, series and, and the playoffs. You know, how's Tanaka going to be? Uh, CC, he's, uh, you know, he's so unreliable. Well, the Yankees pitching, everybody, has been absolutely excellent. Masahiro Tanaka, Luis Severino, Tommy Canley, David Robertson, start to finish. Starting the game, oh, how can I forget CC Sabathia? Starting the game through the relief rolls. I mean, pitching has not been the issue. Offense has been the issue for the Yankees. It, by the way, the, aver- the Astros average 5.52 runs per game. Average, season average. The Yankees in game one held them to two runs. The Yankees in game two held them to two runs. So the pitching and the defense, overall, is not the problem. The Yankees can't score. You can't score. You can't win games if you can't outscore the other team. It's as simple as that. So I've got some ways to fix the Yankees. Number one, Aaron Judge needs to be moved out of the out of the number two spot. I don't know why Joe Girardi is still batting him in the number two spot. This guy has set the postseason record for strikeouts in the playoffs already. Already. He's got 17 strikeouts. You cannot keep taking an out in the first inning of every game and at the top of your order every time the top of the order comes around. You can't do it. You, you just can't keep doing that. One, if you're going to keep him in the batting batting number two, which Joe Girardi said he's not making any major changes, okay? Well, guess what? Batting practice to Aaron Judge should be a steady stream of curveballs. Outside, high, outside, low. That is the pitch that they are making him chase on every single time, seemingly. And he still cannot hit it. The guy is 6'7", and he can't hit the outside corner of the plate. I don't know what they're doing in batting practice, but it should be a steady stream of curveballs and breaking balls and off-speed pitches. Because if they're not doing that for him, which it doesn't look like they are, it's a disservice. It's a disservice to him, and it's a disservice to this Yankee lineup. By the way, uh, Sanchez and Judge, the two hottest hitters for the Yankees, arguably, entering the playoffs, one for 14 in the American League Championship Series. One for 14. I looked up some, some stats last night. I wanted, I wanted to share this with you. Batting second, uh, where, where Aaron Judge is in the lineup and how his, his stats stack up. Guess what? His best numbers occur when he bats sixth. Yep, 
sixth in the lineup. That's where his best numbers occur. He has uh, a batting average of 342. That's the highest out of all the spots that he's batted in the lineup. Highest on-base percentage at 469. Second highest slugging percentage, but bat- batting seventh is the number one, but he's got a small sample size. Uh, his best uh, on-base percentage is, is, is here in batting sixth. One of the least amount of strikeouts comparatively to everything else that's going on. Okay, so he, he's 13 for 38 with a, a double, a triple, seven home runs, and 15 RBIs, and nine walks in the sixth spot. My suggestion for the Yankees is to just move him down to the sixth spot. He's a rookie. He's batting in the second spot in the ALCS, American League Championship Series, for the New York Yankees against the unbeatable, unbeatable Houston Astros and the and, and the Cleveland Indians that had come into that series winning something ridiculous. like They were like 34-3 and three over the last 37 games entering play with the Yankees. It's a huge pressure spot for a rookie. A rookie that has had a monumental spotlight on him throughout the entire season, ending it with 52 home runs. If you just dropped him back to sixth and took a little bit of pressure off of him, as the numbers show you, he is more productive in that role when he was struggling. And, and this, when he bat, was batting sixth, seventh, that's when he was struggling during the season. That's, what Joe, that's the change Joe Girardi fixed and made. So what's the difference now? I mean, Brett Gardner's up there striking out too. So you're starting a game, in effect, with, with two strikeouts right off the bat. Move Didi up. Move... Everybody up, and and let's make a spot for Aaron, uh, for for Judge Aaron Judge. It's sixth in the Yankee lineup. What do you think about that, Yankee fans? He's got the best numbers in those spots. Also, I don't know what this is, but the hitter's mentality needs to change. The Yankees cannot take. I think it was something like twenty-seven strikeouts in two games. Sometimes you have to go up there swinging at the first pitch. Often it's going to be the best pitch that you see. And the Yankees are not doing that. They're going up there and not taking and not taking a look at the first pitch. They're letting it go by them for strike one automatically. You know, a pitcher like like Keuchel, Dallas Keuchel, or, or Justin Verlander, they're going to get ahead of you. Automatically, they're going to get ahead of you. And now you're down. Oh one, and now you're at the mercy of the pitcher. It just can't. It just can't happen that way. So sometimes when you see the first pitch, you, you should hit the first pitch sometimes. The Yankee hitters get too far behind the count too often. They're at the mercy of these all-star pitchers. And I thought of another suggestion that I'm not completely sold on just yet. But the Yankees have been getting zero, nothing, no production out of, out of the designated hitter spot. So what if we did this? What if we made Gary Sanchez the designated hitter and used Austin Romine behind the plate for his, for his catching ability, his defensive ability? Sanchez has some shaky defense. You're nervous watching him all throughout. And last night, he caught, cost the Yankees the game because he couldn't catch a relay throw, which you practice since you are in Little League. The throw was on the money from Didi Gregorius, and all he had to do was drop the tag on Altuve. Would have been out for a mile. Yankees at Astros, Game 3, Monday, 8.08 p.m., first pitch on Fox Sports 1. Coming up, we have Sid Roseberg from New York, WABC Radio. He's coming up after the break. We'll continue with your Yankees discussion. We'll, we'll address the dumpster fire Giants, and we'll react to the Jets. Yes, the New York Jets playing for first place 
in the AFC East today against the, the New England Patriots. We'll take your Yankees calls. Number to get at us is at us, at me, 201-825-1234. You can tweet me also at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Back after this. The BMW Sheer Advantage is back. With financing from as low as 1.58%, you can own the ultimate sports sedan, the BMW 3 Series, or seek an urban adventure with the BMW X1. Experience sheer driving pleasure with the BMW 3 Series and BMW X1 at your preferred BMW authorized dealer today. Or visit bmw.com.my. Terms and conditions apply. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. What? Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're one of my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. I'm Dylan Batanzas, pitcher for the New York Yankees, and you're listening to Danny McCartan on 60 Minutes Overtime. So someone just asked me on Periscope, do I think the Yankees come back from this? Well, you have to re- remain all optimistic here because they did come back against the, the Cleveland Indians down 0-2 as well in a shorter series also. Uh, the Yankees play great at home, and the crowd's going to be really into it in the Bronx in the next uh, two or three nights. And yeah, I, I, I do think the Yankees make a comeback. My heart wants to say that the Yankees are going to win this, but my head is telling me that the Houston Astros are going to take this in seven. So here we are at 11.15 or 11.14. Who would have thought it? The New York Giants, once thought to be Super Bowl contenders, are now contenders for the first pick in the 2018 draft. The New York Jets, once thought to be contenders for the first pick in the 2018 draft are playing the New England Patriots today for first place. And that yes, that equals supremacy in the AFC East. <laughs> and the Yankees, once thought to be in a major rebuilding stage after the exodus of the likes of A-Rod and Mark Teixeira and all the 2009 champions, I think the only guy left on that, uh, the only two guys are CeCe and Brett Gardner off the top of my head, I think. And the Yankees are in a major rebuilding stage. But they are now... One of the four remaining teams playing for the World Series title this year. <laughs> Damn Daniel on, on Periscope says the Jets are the kings of New York. <laughs> I mean, that's the way it looks, right? So Jets, Giants, Yankees, Mets, and then the Mets. The Mets were supposed to be, they were heavily favored to win the World Series this year. And all of a sudden, they've had injury after injury, decimation of the bullpen, of the starting pitching. And they are completely in, and out of it. They were out of it. By the time August rolled around. So I, I guess that's why you play the game, everybody. Because all this you know, all this is, is predicted, but unless you play the game, you're not gonna you're not gonna get the outcome that, that that people are predicting, possibly. If you think about it, the Giants, Super Bowl contenders, everybody was hot on the Giants. They've added Brandon Marshall. He wanted to go to a Super Bowl contending uh uh, a team. And guess what? The Giants are sitting at 0-5. And, and Brandon Marshall has s- endured season-ending surgery this past week. 
Dan Daniel just said again, you play to win the game. Of course you do. Play to win. No matter if you're 0-5 like the Giants or if you're 3-2 like the Jets, you play to win the game. That's right. And if you don't win, you lose, in my opinion. All right, let's go to the phones. I'll be taking your calls after this next interview. On the phone, I have Sid Rosenberg, co-host of the Bernie and Sid Show on WABC Radio New York. But many of you may remember him from his days at the good old WFAN Sports Radio. Sid, how you doing? Hey, Dan, how are you? How are you on this rainy Sunday morning in New York City? Oh, my God. Well, you know what? It's a good Sunday morning because the Jets are playing for first place. I know. It's really unbelievable. I thought I told you back in August that in week six of the NFL, there'll be one New York football team playing for first and once they're looking for their first win. I think everybody in their right mind would have thought it was the other way around. The Giants 0-5 in Denver tonight. And you're right. The Jets, the Jets are still a nine-point underdog today at home against the Patriots because the Jets haven't really beaten a heck of a lot of good teams. But listen, they've won three straight. It's exciting. And Anything can happen, so we'll see what happens at 1 o'clock today in New Jersey. So, yeah, how on earth is this season going so positively for the New York Jets? What is happening in that locker room? Well, I, I think a lot of it's the schedule. Again, they, you know, they beat the Browns last week. They haven't exactly beaten, over the last three weeks, the Patriots, Packers, and Falcons, right? But, right. Uh, you know, they lost the first two games in uh, in, in tough fashion, obviously. Uh, but listen, listen, their defense is good enough to keep them down in, in just about every single game. The quarterback, McCown, does not make a lot of mistakes. They run the football a little better the last couple of weeks. So I really thought from, uh, from from August that the Jets would be in a lot of games this year, just not good enough offensively to win a lot of games this year. But uh, they've made enough plays against um, bad teams, quite frankly, uh, to win some games. So it's a step up in competition today. The Pats have struggled, no doubt about it. It's not looking like the same Patriot team that's Super Bowl champs have been so good for so many years. But anytime you've got Tom Brady and Bill Belichick on the same side, and they are 3-2, and two, it's a big test. So today is a big test for the Jets because they finally step up in schedule. That's why, by the way, Vegas still doesn't buy the Jets because, like I said, they're the home team today and they're still getting nearly double-digit points. Yeah, now the Jets and Patriots, what do you think? I know you just mentioned it's uh, I think it's a nine-point spread on that game. Uh, what do you think? The Jets pull it out or the Patriots come uh, I don't think so. I think the Pats will come back today. The Pats had a good win uh, last Thursday against the Buccaneers. You know, the first uh, four weeks of the season, Danielle, their defense was the worst in football, just atrocious. And, you know, you expect that Bill Belichick will make some moves. I mean, his personnel is his personnel, but you think he'll do something to improve that. And they did last Thursday against Tampa Bay. So uh, I expect that uh, Brady will, will, will play well today. I think the Jets, they usually do pretty well against Tom Brady. They'll stay in the game. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think they'll lose by 20. This will be Mark Sanchez on a Thanksgiving night. But I think eventually the Pats will wear down the Jets and, they won the game by about 10 to 14 points. I expect the Pats to move to 4-2 and two and the Jets to fall to 3-3. Three and three. And, of course, he's mentioning the butt fumble that right after that, I turned that game off. That was the most embarrassing moment as a Jet fan I think I've ever experienced. Oh, listen, it's up there. Unfortunately, the Jets have had a lot of embarrassing moments. If you're a Jet fan and, you know, really great seasons outside of 69, far and few between. But uh, that, that was pretty rough. And I think most Jet fans thought this season will be filled with plays like that, Danielle, and losses like that. But... To Todd Bowles' credit and to the Jets' credit, at least through five weeks, they've been a pretty pleasant surprise. Now, here's the question. The Jets were, were sucking for Sam. You know, should Jets fans be happy they're playing for first in the AFC East today, or they should be concerned about missing a top-shelf quarterback in the draft at this rate? Well, the, that is a big question. I think the Jets fans uh, were looking for that big-time quarterback, something that's been so elusive. Of course, Mark Sanchez did take the Jets to consecutive AFC title games his first two years, but 
that went real sour after that. And then a bunch of quarterbacks, whether it's been uh, the kid out of Penn State hasn't worked out. Uh, you know, the kid out of Baylor, Petty, that hasn't worked out. So uh, you look at the Jets as a team that could really use that mainstay quarterback. So you're right, it's, it's a bit of a catch-22, a blessing and a curse in that they're playing for first place in Week 6. But I don't think any Jet fans lose themselves into thinking they're actually a very good football team or a first-place team. So they're in the mix in Week 6, but I think in the end it does hurt them and their chances to get a, a full-time guy unless they really believe that a Bryce Petty or a Hackenberg in the future can be something, I find that hard to believe. Well, the problem is that they're not even giving a Bryce Petty or a Christian Hackenberg even a chance to, to even succeed. Well, listen, I'm not there uh, during practice. You know, I'm not there, you know, in August in training camp. I'm not. Obviously, the Jet coaching staff, they are. And uh, even though Petty had some pretty good preseason football games, I remember back in August, they did a very good job against the Giants, in fact. Uh, they're there every single day. They see how these kids pick up the offense, what they can and can't do. Both of those guys also have been nicked up just a bit, but they made the determination that the veteran McCown gives them the best chance to win, which is also a catch-22 because you know Todd Bowles is out of chances. If the Jets have a miserable season this year, he's gone, so he knows he's got to win or at least be decent to retain his job because most people thought he'd be fired after last year. So he's not looking towards the future, quite frankly. He's not looking down two, three, four years. He knows his job is all about this year. So he may, in fact, be impeding the progress of a young quarterback and the team's chances in the future to make sure they're competitive this year so he can come back. Yeah, I, I agree. That's uh, right on. So let's, let's flip to the Giants here. The Giants, looking like they had a Super Bowl-caliber roster entering this season. You know, Brandon Marshall declared he wanted to be traded from the Jets to a contender. He comes to the Giants. They're sitting at 0-5. And, and, and how is that possible? You know, even before all these injuries happened, how, how are the Giants just, just so bad this year? I think they fooled a lot of us. You know, look, we knew this. Their offensive line was terrible. This is why Jerry Reese, the GM, needs to be called to the carpet. This is the same offensive line as last year, Danielle, and they were awful last year. So that's no great surprise. And Eli Manning, uh, listen, I know he's won two Super Bowls. He's thrown for over 40,000 yards, over a couple of hundred touchdowns. He's going into the Hall of Fame. And Giants fans hate me for this. They kill me on the fan. I think he's overrated. I really do. In that, if things aren't going perfectly great for the guy, the running game going well, the offensive line perfect, he tends to make a lot of mistakes. He fumbles way too much. He did last week against San Diego. Throws way too many interceptions. Makes bad decisions. Makes the same decisions now in his 14th season as he did as a rookie. So that's always my rub with Eli Manning. Yes, he's won championships. He's had a couple of great runs. But he's not the type of quarterback, Danielle, that can win unless things are going very well around him. He's not a Dan Marino. He's not a Brett Favre. Those guys, no running games, are not great defenses. They found a way to win. So with Eli, uh, that's not the case. So uh, the Giants, the offensive line has been terrible. Up until last week, they couldn't run the football. The Chargers, yes, they gashed them last week between Coleman and Darkwell. But that's a very poor defense against the run, San Diego. So, you know, he's got to come in every single week, and his receivers have to be perfect. Beckham has not been, and he's been hurt. Now he's out for the year. Brandon Marshall was not very good those four games. Now he's out for the year. So things were not going well offensively. But for me, Danielle, where the Giants have really disappointed me, and I'm a lifelong Giant fan, is the defense. We thought this defense would be as good as any in football. Their front four was advertised to be the best in football. And the first two games, if maybe if you remember, both the Cowboys and the Lions gashed them on the ground. Their secondary has not been very good either. And the linebackers are very, very poor. So... Now, really, we came into the season, we bought a bill of goods, you got Beckham, you bought him Brandon Marshall, but in the trenches, offensive line, not good going back to last year, defensive line, way underperformed so far this year, that explains why the Giants are 0-5.
Listen, I was on here. I totally agree. I, you know, first off, with the Eli Manning, you think about the throws that Eli Manning has made. Odell Beckham got hurt on an on an overthrow uh, by Eli Manning. You think about the Super Bowl, even back to the David Tyree catch on his helmet. He had to catch that ball on his helmet. So I just you know, listen, I agree. There's no doubt about that. I mean, even Tiki Barber, and I, you know, I'm pretty close with Tiki, and he, you know, Giant fans hate Tiki because he was very, very uh, critical of Eli Manning early on when Tiki was late in his career and Eli was early in his career because he nearly got Tiki killed a couple of times just throwing the ball out of the backfield. So, listen, he's got a a really good arm. He does make throws that only a a few quarterbacks in the NFL can make to his credit, but he's not incredibly accurate and he does make a lot of mistakes and he's very inconsistent. And uh, in the end, that has come out to hurt the Giants. Look, he's not nearly the biggest problem. But let's not get crazy, okay? You can still win even with a 37-year-old Eli Manning. I don't want to make it seem like he's the problem. He's not. But he's not the type of quarterback that wins unless things around him are going very, very well. And he does have bad turnovers and very inopportune times. Well, the, the problem with the Giants, I think, the number one problem is the, the offensive line, like you said. I mean, last year when we were doing like all the, the mock drafts and everything, I had the Giants picking Forrest Lamp in, with the number one uh, pick in their draft. Uh, but I just think that this is a guy, Forrest Lamp, when you look at him and what he's done, I mean, he's hurt now, but he played on both sides of the line. And we have Eric Flowers on the Giants line who basically plays patty cake with, with a defender and then lets him through to Eli Manning. How could you succeed as a quarterback when, when someone's coming at you from your blind side and, and you have no confidence in Eric Flowers? No, listen, again, it's very, very tough. That doesn't mean every time somebody hits you, you have to be stripped sacked or fumbled or, or throw a bad pick late in the game. That, 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 those are mutually exclusive, but you're right. His job becomes very, very difficult when most weeks the Giants cannot run the football, so the defense knows what they're going to do. They know anyway because Ben McAdoo is a very predictable coach in his offense. In fact, I'm not a big fan of Ben McAdoo and or Jerry Reese. Uh, so you're right. His job is made more difficult every single week. And when that happens, Eli Manning usually usually becomes a detriment and not a uh, not not a quality quarterback in this league. Yeah, not an asset. Now, Jerry Reese, I was calling for his firing uh, last year. Why did he not go with Tom Coughlin? I think that should have been. I think it should have been Reese first, and with an, and then let Coughlin see what he yeah, can do with the new but GM. That very rarely happens, as you know, Danielle. Whether it's baseball, you know, Bobby Valentine goes before Steve Phillips or football. The coach always goes before the GM. Sometimes they go together. People tend to like that. A lot of Mets fans wanted Bobby to go with Steve Phillips, but. Usually what happens is they fire the coach first in these sports, then they get to the GM, and uh, that's when they know, once that happens, that the team is usually in big, big trouble from top to bottom. And you mentioned the secondary. I think Eli Apple, who was great last year, I think he's taking quite a step back. Do you agree? Oh, yeah, he's taking a step backwards, and he's very upset with the Giants, how they're using them, too. I mean, now you've got a basic mutiny on their hands because Eli Apple's upset. He's been nicked up, too. Uh, Rogers Camardi has been suspended this week. He had a tiff with the coach on the sideline last week. So they have underperformed. Uh, they've gone a bit backwards. And at the same time, the defensive line is not putting the pressure on the quarterbacks. They had hope. You can make a very good defensive back, Dan, look very, very uh, pedestrian if the line is not putting pressure on opposing quarterbacks. And the Giants just aren't. So uh, these guys are not playing as well. They're not getting help from the seven guys up front. And now uh, they're fighting with the coach, both Apple and Rogers Camardi. So. It's basically an all-out mutiny on that giant defense right now. <laughs> all right, John, uh, Giants at Broncos tonight at 8.30 p.m. on Sunday Night Football. Your prediction, Sid? Yeah, the Giants should get killed tonight. I mean, Denver's a very tough place to play. Even when you're a good football team, you have the altitude. The Broncos' home field advantage is one of the best football. And they've been pretty good. You know, Trevor Simeon's done a pretty good job at quarterback. They run the ball very well. 
with C.J. Anderson. Uh, they've got some talented wide receivers. They're very, very tough defensively. I mean, if the Giants can't stop opposing pass rushers, how do you think Vaughn Miller's going to do tonight against that Giants offensive line? So uh, I would expect this is not a very close football game, and the Giants uh, go to 0-6 relatively easily. All right, now finally we'll talk about the Yankees. I'm talking with Sid Rosenberg, everybody. Uh, my suggestion to, to fix, quote-unquote, fix the Yankees is to move Aaron Judge down in, into the batting order, batting sixth. I don't know if you heard, heard. I threw out some stats. He's got good numbers in the sixth spot. What do you do to fix the Yankees and help them win this ALCS? I, guess, and I, don't, think, I don't think they need to be fixed. You know, Houston's better. You know, I talk about fixing a team when they're underperforming, when the other team is not as good. Uh, the fact is the Yankees have lost two games so what I think is the best team in baseball, you can argue whether it's Houston or the Dodgers, on the road by one run. It's like the Yankees have been embarrassing. Now, Judge has been offensively atrocious, breaking records, striking out, and looking awful. But I believe when you get to this time of year, you, you go with what got you there. I mean, Aaron Judge had 52 home runs this year, and he had a very, very slow start after the All-Star break, but he carried the team in September. How do you know that all of a sudden in Game 3 in the Bronx, he doesn't catch fire again and then hit home runs in 10 straight games? I mean, the fact is, he should he's probably be the MVP of the American League. He was certainly, although Sanchez had a very good year, and Gregorius, the MVP of the Yankees. So I don't change things, game three of an ALCS, when the guy's been really the best offensive player all season long. So they're not getting embarrassed. They're not losing games 10 nothing. Uh, the first game was a wonderful pitching matchup. CC did very, very well. Severino pitched great yesterday, but unless they lost to, uh, to Justin Verlander and to Dallas Keuchel. There's no shame in that. So... Uh, I don't fix anything. I think right now they, they had a tough break on the, uh, you know, maybe that was interference by the fan yesterday on the home run by Correa. A uh, home run in the bottom of the ninth inning. Uh, for a team that was not supposed to be very good this year, they played the Astros very, very tough. And let's not forget, they were down 2 nothing to Cleveland, too. So before we panic, let's see what the Yanks do back in the Bronx tomorrow night. The Yankees always play better at home. They, they play much better at home. They were the best team in the American League, I believe, at home this year. So... Uh, let's see. You know, they, they come back home, and again, uh, they're not the better team here. You know, they weren't the better team against Cleveland either, and they found a way to win. Uh, there's a reason why they're a 175 underdog in this series <laughs> against the Astros. So, get them back home. Like you said, they've been terrific. Daniel at home all season long, and let's see what they can do. But listen, we knew going in uh, that work was cut out. This is a Houston Astro lineup from top to bottom that is really deadly. There's no easy outs. There's none. So, Let's see what happens tomorrow night. Yeah, and the Yankees are playing with house money at this point anyway. No one expected them to be this good and go this far in the beginning of the season. That's right. I mean, the Yankees are playing with house money, which sounds crazy for a team that's won all those championships. And quite frankly, the reigning World Series champs are playing with house money and not being in the Cubs because the Dodgers, outside of a three-week period in September, were so good this year. So uh, both underdogs, and they're very, very big underdogs, the Yankees and the Cubs, are both kind of playing with house money because... It's been pretty obvious all season long that the Astros and the Dodgers are the two best teams in baseball, and that probably should be the World Series this year. And at least so far, two games through the ALCS and one game through the NLCS, that's the way Danielle is shaping up. All right, so you got the Yankees or the Cleveland. If you were a betting man, who would you take in this series? Uh, what series is that now? Uh, the Yankees or, or the uh, Astros in the ALCS? No, Houston's going to win this series. I know the Yankees came back against Cleveland down 2 nothing, but this is a better... Uh, Astro baseball team than an Indian baseball team. And, you know, one thing about Kluber, the uh, Indian ace, is he's not pitched well in big games. Remember, he blew the lead and uh, didn't pitch very well even game seven against the Cubs in the World Series last year. That's not the case in Houston. Keiko's a big-time big-game pitcher. Justin, uh, Justin Rolander's a big-game, uh, big-time pitcher. Now, Morton's not tomorrow night game three at the stadium, but if the Astros need a game seven at home, 
with a guy like Verlander or Keuchel, who's killed the Yankees, by the way, a lot more confident than Kluber would be in Cleveland. So uh, I, I think it's um, it'll take a miracle at this point for the Yanks to come back and win this series. Uh, we'll see. All right, Sid Rosenberg, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, again, you guys can catch him on uh, the Sid and uh, the Bernie and Sid show on WABC Radio. Uh, what's that from nine to twelve? Right in the morning. We are on. Uh, I'm actually on every morning with Bernard. We're on the Imus show also. Imus is on six to nine, and mo- most of the Imus in the morning show is basically me and Bernie providing commentary and everything from news to politics to sports to pop culture. Then yes, then you know, we got our own show nine to noon up against uh, Evan and Joe every day on seven seventy AM WABC and a lot of FAN fans who love my work when I was there before because you do do some sports on Bernie and Sid tend to come to listen to our show too so we'll talk about the Yankees tomorrow for example Jets and Giants we will do that on a Monday or Friday so yes Bernie and Sid 9 to noon Danielle who shares my wife's name by the way on uh, weekdays on WABC alright Sid thanks so much I hope to have you on again soon you're great thanks I enjoyed it thank you for having me on you did a terrific job good luck thanks bye see ya all right, so we're going to be taking your calls after this. Uh, once holding 8-1 to odds in Las Vegas to win the Super Bowl this season, the Giants are at the top of the list to earn the number one draft pick next year. What should they do with 36-year-old Eli Manning? What's going on? How do they stack up against the Broncos on Sunday Night Football tonight? Again, the phone number to call in is 201-825-1234. You can tweet me at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. And uh, let's talk after the break. KFC presents a Halloween tale. It came from the dark. It began like any other evening. They were hungry. Innocently, they went to KFC, where they discovered the new KFC dark meat menu. Look at all those low prices! Have you ever seen chicken price this low? Yes, dark, delicious pieces of KFC legs and thighs. Flavors like original recipe, extra crispy, and even tender roast. All at low, low prices. Look at all those pieces! It's KFC's dark meat menu. Whatever you do, don't eat it alone. <laughs> Hi, Tom Bodette. Apparently, the hip thing for businesses to do these days is target millennials. So it may sound sus coming from this baby boomer, but Motel 6 is a V-great place for your squad to stay woke or asleep. The updated rooms are hashtag blessed with contemporary floors, bedding, and flat-screen TVs that are totally on fleek. Plus, their prices are always low AF. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll keep it lit for you. Book online at Motel Hi. When I'm with friends, we make this promise to each other. Arrive together, stick together, and leave together. But remember, have fun, but play it safe and party smart. Who doesn't love to have a great time, especially in Las Vegas? Having a great time also means being very smart about it. Jonathan Hankins from New York Giants. You're listening to 60 Minutes Overtime on 90.3 FM. Got something to say? Call the studio, 
Giants fans doing a lot of praying. They're at 0-5 on the season. Hopefully they could see the light. Obviously that's Kesha with praying. So the Giants take on the Denver Broncos tonight in Denver, as Sid Rosenberg mentioned. Broncos are 3-1. and uh, They did have a bye week already, so the Giants are 0-5. And it's going to be on national TV on Sunday Night Football tonight. And the Giants entering that play are 12-point underdogs, and rightfully so. 12-point. Uh, last I checked, they were 12-point underdogs, and rightfully so. Now, the Giants have already ruled out. These guys are all starters. Jonathan Casillas, Paul Perkins, Weston Richburg, Dominique rogers camardi has been suspended, Sterling Shepard with injury, Olivier Vernon, Landon Collins is questionable, last I had seen. These guys are all Starters. I'm surprised it, they're not 20-point underdogs at this point. And you can add that to season-ending surgeries for Odell Beckham Jr. and Brandon Marshall and Dwayne Harris. They are one, two, three. Probably three of the top four wide receivers uh, of, the, uh, of the Giants. And then you add that, you mix that in with the mysterious locker room controversy between, who knows, uh, the, the coaches, Eli Apple, um, they're like Sid Rosenberg said. They're unhappy with the way he's unhappy with the way they're playing him and in what spots. I guess that's kind of what the reports are coming out. We still don't know what's going on. And Ben McAdoo just addressed the team. I think yesterday, last night, as to what it was about. After this almost went a whole week. Can you imagine? Uh, you know something's happening. Someone gets suspended uh, for Dominique Rogers Camardi violated team policy, quote unquote. Can you imagine what kind of rumors ran rampant? In that in that locker room, obviously in the media, if you are, uh, you need to to hit that head on as a coach. You can't have that. That's like a cancer in the locker room. You you can't have guys thinking about what this could possibly be about. You got to hit it straight on. And he in and I believe Ben McAdoo, to his credit, said he wanted to get all sides of the story before he made a decision. Okay, but that doesn't take you six days or seven days to get that done. If that you need to, if that's fragmenting your locker room, you need to to get that done within the first twenty four hours, forty eight hours maybe, because Monday's always either an off. I think Monday's an off day for an NFL team. So by Tuesday, you have to come in knowing the information and, and making a decision. Then you can't, and, and and then debriefing your team on Tuesday, not on Saturday night. I think Ben McAdoo really is not doing a good job here. Uh, you know, it's just one thing after another with this guy. So so what's left for the Giants for tonight's game? A sloppy mix of underclassmen. And here's my spoiler alert, everybody. The Broncos are my lock of the week. Yes, we can go ahead and lock that in. The Broncos are the lock of the week. They're going to crush the New York Giants on national television. The score I got is going to be 42-3. to 42 to 3. And I'm in the survivor pool. And I am so gung ho on the Denver Broncos tonight. It's sickening. And here's why the Denver Broncos are going to crush the Giants. Ready? Denver leads the league in allowing their defense, allows the least amount of yards per game 260.8, if you're keeping track. They give up the least amount of running yards per game 50.8, if you're keeping track. They're the best at giving up the least amount of yards in the entire NFL. At home. And, and, and they're at home. And how the Giants stack up? Well, the Giants are right in the middle of the pack. 
middle lobe of the pack. They're 18th in total offense. They're actually 10th in passing yards per game, but that's not surprising because all they do is throw the ball. And they're 30th in rushing yards per game, and that's where they were last year. And then they cut Rashad Jennings. You think it was Rashad Jennings' fault that his offensive line it was Swiss cheese? So the Giants have still, to this point, the 30th out of 32 teams, everybody, rushing yards per game. They're going against the defense that gives up the least amount of rushing yards per game. It's just going to be atrocious, uh, and it's just going to be bad. It's just going to be really bad. They're going to force Eli Manning to throw the ball 60 times tonight. And the latest ranking from Pro Football Focus has the Giants ranked at number 24 in the NFL. And we talked about it with Sid Rosenberg. Here's what they had to say about the Giants' offensive line. The average grade that they gave him was a 56. Now, in my line of work, that's almost an X. That was an F. Almost an X. Yes, they do give out Xs nowadays. Yes. And here's what they say. I'm just going to read the quote because this is uh, I couldn't have said it any better myself. It says, The Giants' offensive line was a question mark coming into the season, and we have not seen a lot of improvement from last season true the unit has allowed 10 sacks so far and i'm going to add because it should be a lot more but eli manning likes to take dives all over the place they're tied for fourth most in the nfl sacks allowed and they rank 22nd in the in the league with a pass blocking efficiency of 75.8 that's a c in my line of work making matters worse they are missing their best offensive lineman in weston richburg He's on the in the concussion protocol, I believe. And that leads to five below-average performances on the offensive line. On the Giants' most frequently used run play, the inside zone, they are just one of nine teams averaging less than a yard before contact on outside or inside zone runs. That's a whole bunch of bad. That's a whole bunch of F, F work there. Okay? So I guess the more intriguing question is, we know the Giants are bad. We can hate on them all we want. They don't have a running game. They don't have a, a players. They have the, the JV team in, basically, for, for tonight's game on national, national football. Across the, on, on the national stage, they have the JV team playing. But except for Eli Manning, then what do we do with Eli Manning? Man, people are all conflicted on what the Giants should do with Eli Manning. <sighs> I, it's been Twitter wars all, all week. Listen. Once the Giants are mathematically eliminated for contention for anything except a high draft pick, here's what you do. You sit Eli Manning. No, you don't go ahead and trade a two-time winning Super Bowl quarterback. He's a career giant. He's done nothing but good things for the Giants for the most part. He's the longest tenured Giants quarterback ever. You don't trade him. That's an insult. That's insulting to suggest that. No, you don't keep him in because he's 36 years old. He's too old to be a quarterback, yet he's, he's, he's doing all right for the most part. You don't keep him in. You know, I, I called up Boomer Esiason uh, maybe two, a week and a half ago on, on the morning show uh, at WFAN talking about this. I asked Boomer, who was a former quarterback, all, uh, you know, Pro Bowl quarterback. I said, Boomer, would you get behind this offensive line of the Giants? Would you? <laughs> He kind of paused and kind of deflected the question. So that makes me think that, no, he would not get behind this offense. So why should we be suggesting Eli Manning do it week in and week out? It's more of a chance for a career-ending injury for the guy. 
He's no spring chicken. He's no Derek Carr or Marcus Mariota who breaks their, their lower half of their leg and comes back the next season. He's 36 years old. Do you Giants fans care about his well-being? Why keep him in? It's logic, people. People, you got to listen to this. It's just logical, okay? Listen to this. The Giants are tied for to be the worst team in the league with the 49ers and the Browns. The Giants are tied for having the best choice in the 2018 draft. The 2018 draft is quarterback dominant, quarterback heavy. Are you following me so far? The Giants drafted a quarterback last year who hasn't seen daylight in terms of playing time. No daylight for that, that, that young guy, Davis Webb. So here's the plan. Once the Giants are mathematically eliminated from contention for anything other than a first-round draft pick, I mean a, a first-overall draft pick, the Giants should see what Davis Webb can do or not do so that they can decide on whether or not to pass on all of these stud quarterbacks in this year's draft. Giants fans, how do you not understand that? It's not rocket science. We know what Geno Smith is about. He's not a franchise quarterback. But if Davis Webb is your franchise quarterback, well, how are you ever going to know that? And why should Eli Manning be playing for a team that's 1-10? in 10? Sit him on the bench, make him a mentor role, and let him come back next year. Because at least you can work with Davis Webb and see what he's about. And if you don't know what he's about, or if he's not good at it, a.k.a. who knows, I think Christian Hackenberg, uh, who knows, then then if he's not going to be your next franchise quarterback, you are primed to pick one in the 2018 NFL draft. Why are you people saying that Eli Manning should play out the season? It's not about pride. It's about his health. And I told Boomer this too. Eli Manning's going to end the, the same way. His season's going to end the same way. I hate to say it. I'm going to knock on wood right now. But I, I hate to say that Eli Manning's season is going to end the same way that Derek Carr's did last year, that Marcus Mariota's did last year. And I thought that the Giants' offensive line was awful last year. And it, it didn't get addressed in the NFL draft, and that is a crime. That's a crime against your quarterback and against your running game. I had the Giants picking Forrest Lamp. They didn't. They didn't pick Forrest Lamp. And now you're stuck with Eric Flowers, who's like a, a piece of paper blowing in the wind on, on Eli Manning's blind side on the, on the line. You could blow on him and knock him over. Blow on him and get, fa- and get back by him. And this guy, Forrest Lamp, like I said, he is injured, unfortunately. But the guy did whatever you needed him to do. He played on, on, the, on the left side of the line. He played on the right side of the line. It didn't matter. And at this point, anybody, anything, anybody is an upgrade over Eric Flowers. And there are people calling for defensive linemen to switch to be offensive linemen to take his spot. That's how bad he is. He didn't work out. It didn't work out. Eric Flowers didn't work out. So like I said, let me summarize this just one more time. The Giants are tied to be the worst team in the league. They're tied right now with the 49ers and Browns, all looking for their first win. I think the 49ers will get one. Eventually. All the games are close. The Giants are tied for the best choice in the 2018 draft this year. Coming up. And if the 2018 draft is quarterback dominant, 
and the Giants drafted a quarterback last year who hasn't even seen the, play, the, the field. I think the Giants should sit Eli Manning and see what Davis Webb can do so that they can decide on whether or not to pass on, on the quarterbacks in this draft, the heavy quarterbacks in this draft. It's not rocket science, everybody. Got something to say? Call the studio, 201-825-1234. So while the Giants are running away with last place, the other team in New York, the New York Jets, Gang Green, have everything to play for today. It's been a surprising season. And let's see how they stack up against the New England Patriots after the break. salt and pepper you tell people to push it, push it real good. it's what you do if you want to save 15 percent or more on car insurance you switch to geico it's what you do i'm pushing i'm pushing it real good the following was recorded at a burger king drive through at breakfast morning welcome to burger king can i get a sausage egg and cheese for sandwich sure can right now they're two for four dollars but can you say that word again Sandwich? Uh, where I'm from, we say sandwich. Wow. Where are you from? From behind this counter? Piled high with thick cut bacon or savory sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted cheese. Get two sandwich breakfast sandwiches for just $4. Only at Burger King. Limited time only. Price and participation vary. So, Miss Harris, what makes you think you're a good fit with us here at Schmidt, Starks, and Sopransky? Oh, sir, there are so many reasons. I specialized in research and theoretical studies for several years at the Southampton Institute, mm-hmm. preceded by intensive graduate studies at Syracuse. <laughs> Certainly, my skills are well suited for a position here at Schmidt, Starks, and Sopransky? Oh, thanks. A job interview and a root canal on the same day. Want to get away? Get the heck out of there with Southwest Airlines. Fly coast to coast for $99 or less by November 3rd. It was nice meeting you, sir. Yes, we'll get back to you soon. Soon. Southwest Airlines, a symbol of freedom. Call 1-800-IFLY-SWA. Muhammad Wilkerson, you're listening to 60 Minute Overtime on 90.3 FM. So the Jets can go uh, go ahead and skirt on any top-tier quarterback in this year's draft at the way this is going. They're much better than anticipated. Obviously, this is Calvin Harris featuring Nicki Minaj's skirt on me. The Jets are much better than anticipated. They are uh, at 3-2. and two. They're hosting the New England Patriots, also at 3-2 and two today at 1 p.m. at MetLife Stadium for a battle for first place in the AFC East. Yeah, AFC East supremacy today. Yes, the best. Supremacy means you are the best. And the Jets have a chance to be the best today in the AFC East. Okay, here's how this game stacks up. The Jets, they're riding a three-game winning streak. Patriots are riding a one-game. Advantage, Jets. The Jets are undefeated at home, but the Patriots are undefeated on the road. 
So that's a pick 'em. The Jets have allowed 106 points. The Patriots have allowed 142 points. Advantage, Jets. The Jets have scored 92 points, but the Patriots have scored 148 points. Advantage, Patriots. Of note, the Patriots will be without two of their top three corners in today's game in Gilmore and Rowe. Muhammad Wilkerson and Bilal Powell did not practice all week for the Jets. They're going to be game-time decisions. Actually, Bilal Powell has been ruled out. Wilkerson, we're still waiting a word on Muhammad Wilkerson on, on that defensive line for the Jets, um, the mainstay there. Uh, but he did not practice all week, so it's not looking good for him. Who's worse to have out? In my opinion, it's way worse to have Muhammad Wilkerson out of this game. At least with Bilal Powell, Matt Forte's back from a toe injury. And, and they have that new guy, Elijah McGuire, who had a great game uh, last week. So, you know, that's okay. Someone can step in in that, in that spot. But, man, Brady does not do well when the Jets put some pressure on him. And Muhammad Wilkerson is, is that guy. And if the Jets are without him today, it's going to be – it might not be too, too pretty. I mean, the Jets always play Tom Brady's Patriots well. Um, his career against them – Okay, here's here's the good news for Jets fans. In 30 games, he's only got a 62% completion percentage. He's thrown 13 interceptions and, and very high number, 52 sacks. But he's also thrown 44 touchdowns. He's got a quarterback rating of just about 92. He's 23-7, and seven, and he's 10-2 over the past 12 meetings, dating back to, that's 2011. So for the Jets to win today, they need to just contain Tom Brady. They need to pressure him. They need to force him to give up the ball sooner than he wants to, obviously. If not, they're going to be in for a long day. I think Jamal Adams, um, over the middle, he's going to be mismatched with Rob Gronkowski. It's just a size differential on that. I don't know how the Jets are going to solve Rob Gronkowski, but you know they, they, they need to figure it out because that's going to be a very long day for that defense if they can't contain Brady and therefore Gronk. And, and hometown boy, Chris Hogan, Rampo High School grad, he, he's going to be back playing in, in the Meadowlands. Uh, so I think, though, I think that by some Meadowlands miracle, like I said, these games are always close. I think that the Jets, by some Meadowlands miracle, are going to beat the Patriots today. And the score is going to be Jets 21, Patriots 20. I think the Jets are going to be a, a little bit surprising on the offensive front, I think they're going to get creative. I think they're going to cause uh, some mismatches and some confusion for a Patriots defense that has not been dominant as we're used to it being. You know, so I just think that if they can create some mismatches and create some, you know, motions and, and tricky packages and, and fake punts like they did last week, I th- I think the Jets ha- are, uh, might be in this more than uh, than... Certainly Las Vegas is saying, as I think, nine-point underdog. So, again, my final score, I'm going to have Jets 21, Patriots 20, but I'm not using my lock of the week on that. I'm not using my survival pool pick of the week on that. Not a chance. So, uh, again, so which former Yankees winning, uh, which former World Series winning Yankee did I sit down with to discuss playoff baseball, Gene Stick Michael, Derek Jeter buying the Marlins, and Hurricane Harvey's impact on the Astros? Well, you'll find out on the other side of the break.
of the day, everybody wants to be home for Jeopardy. Sixty-minute overtime. Hurry up, offense with Danielle McCartan. All right, so the Astros took a two-zero lead over the New York Yankees last night. They won two to one for the second straight game of the series. In the bottom of the ninth, Carlos Correa drove in Jose Altuve, who scored from first base. Gary Sanchez mishandled the incoming throw as Altuve slid in safely. Today is a travel day. Game three will begin tomorrow night in the Bronx at 8.08 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. On the NL side, the Dodgers hosted the Cubs in game one of the NLCS last night. Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers got the win, beating the Cubs 5-2. Kershaw allowed four hits and had two earned runs while striking out four. Yasiel Puig led the way for the Dodgers with two hits and two RBIs. Game two is played tonight at 7.38 p.m., and the Dodgers are up 1-0 on the series. In the NFL, the Giants, the 0-5 Giants, will face the 3-1 Broncos in Denver on Sunday Night Football. Kickoff will be at 8.30 p.m. on NBC. The Giants will be without starters Shepard, Casillas, Vernon, Beckham Jr., and Marshall. And Eli Manning has thrown for 1,338 yards, 8 touchdowns, and 5 interceptions this season. The 3-2 Jets will host the 3-2 Patriots at MetLife Stadium this afternoon on CBS. Running back Blau Powell is ruled out with a calf injury as running back veteran Matt Forte returns from a toe injury. Tom Brady will not be sidelined with the sprained AC joint in his non-throwing shoulder as he assured the media that he will, quote, be there come game time. The AFC East rivalry continues at 1 p.m. today in East Rutherford, New Jersey. At Madison Square Garden last night, New Jersey Devils defeated the New York Rangers 3-2. Henrique, Wood, and Stafford each had a goal for the Giants, while Shattenkirk and Nash each netted one apiece for the Rangers. This win for the Devils brings them to 4-1 on the season, and the Rangers fall to 1-5. Devils' next game is at home versus Tampa Bay Lightning Tuesday at 7.30, and the Rangers will take on the Pittsburgh Penguins at home Tuesday at 7 p.m. I'm Daniel McCartan, and that was your 60-minute overtime. Hurry up, offense. Hi, this is Charlie Hayes, third baseman for the 1996 World Series champs. And you're listening to 60 Minutes Overtime on WRPR. So the answer to that uh, teaser is Jeff Nelson. And uh, he was a pitcher for a four-time World Series pitcher. Swing, batter, batter, swing, batter, batter, swing, batter, batter, swing. That's Trace Atkins with Swing. He and I caught up at a Mint Pros Baseball Stadium suite event at Yankee Stadium, and we discussed everything from Jeter and the Marlins to a comparison between Hurricane Harvey's impact on the Astros and 9-11's impact on his Yankee team. Listen in. Everybody, I'm here again at a Mint Pros Joe Pagliano Yankee Stadium Suite event with Yankees pitcher, World Series champion Jeff Nelson. Um, first, what makes Mint Pros so special? Working with Joe at these events. Uh, you know, he does such a great job of giving back in the, in the, in the charities that he works with. Uh, you know, today Mariano Rivera is going to be here. Uh, you know, anytime that you know, he's such a great guy and he does such great things that you you run a extend, I, I guess, or, or try to open up your schedule and do anything for him. He's just such a great guy, and he does such great things for the community. And I think the last time we were here, we were here together with yeah. Gene Stick Michael. Right. Um, 
you know, recently he passed this week. Um, what was your interaction with Gene and, and here at the Yankees? Yeah, you know, well, one I'll miss him during Old Timers Day because he was the only he was the one that made all the ske- all the lineups and telling me, okay, you're going to pitch here, you're going to pitch here, and you know, he was instrumental on in me coming over here. Uh, for, for the trade with right. Tino Martinez in Seattle, right. you know he would. It was always fun wa- listening to him and Luke Manella talk about how they acquired both Tino and I. Uh, so, you know, you're going to miss that. You know, it was a real shock to hear the news that he yeah. passed away. Mm-hmm. But just seeing him in Old Timers Day, seeing him around at the stadium, and, and just knowing what, what he did as a manager, a GM here, how he constructed this organization, and mm-hmm. and really had a lot to do with the mid-90s or why the Yankees won and, and you know who he drafted and who he brought up I mean this guy was one of the smartest baseball minds in, in all, of the, all of baseball and who he didn't trade right exactly <laughs> I remember you know when, when I was coming over from the Mariners I know the Mariners were asking for Andy Pettit they were asking for Mario Rivera you know I know at one time they wanted to try to ship out Jorge Posada and he was absolutely not and I think Rivera was one of those unknown commodities back then because he started in the minors in 95 he came up just a little bit when we were playing when I was in Seattle when we played New York in the, in the playoffs the first division series I think Seattle is one of those uh, one of those teams okay we want Mo okay if you're Tino and Nelson we got to have uh, you know at least Mariano or Pettit and they, he was there was like no way I mean we want those two guys but we'll give you Hitchcock and Davis and somehow the Mariners bid on it and, and, and it happened but you're right I mean the guys that he didn't trade were very instrumental I mean, I don't know where the Yankees would be if Rivera wasn't here. Yeah, definitely. Now, the Yankees are known for honoring their own in Monument Park. Do you think it's time for Gene Michael to get a plaque out there at least? Well, you know, it's a shame that you have to happen when he passed away because right. it always seems that, okay, you know, guys go in the Hall of Fame after they've gone, you know, long gone. I think he deserves it, especially the construction, like I just mentioned, of some yeah. of the Yankee teams back in the mid-'90s, what he's done as a manager, a GM. Uh, very instrumental instrumental in some of the history that, that the Yankees have now. So absolutely. Yeah. So let's go um, let's go more uh, Derek Jeter. Yeah. Just bought the Marlins. Right. You do some pregame, post game yeah, for the Marlins. Yeah. Have you seen him around the facility? What's what's the buzz? Well it's not, well the buzz is really strong because they're really happy that you know I talked to Don Manley quite a bit because I see him a, a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, there the players are really excited to have a new ownership group. Not that Jeffrey Lurie didn't do a great job, but it's just they have another baseball line. I mean Derek's won five World Series, he's been in the World Series more than just five times. But he brings a presence, a Yankee presence, uh, the history that the Yankees bring. He's learned from Mr. Steiner, he's learned from Joe Torre. Uh, this is going to be a new experience for him, but I know the players down there are exciting, uh, excited about it. Don Madden is excited about it. I think the community is excited about it as far as, hey, you know, we're not that far away. They, they you know, offensively, they're great. Yeah. Their bullpen's decent. Their starting rotation needs a lot of help. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, yeah. Jose Fernandez, who passed away last year in a, in a tragic accident, yeah. that really hurt him a lot. But, you know, this deal's not going to be final until so, sometime in October. I have been knocking on his door to try to get a better job with him, but uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a lot of fun. Now, um, speaking of trade deadlines and acquisitions and stuff, the Yankees um, acquired Garcia and Gray. How do you grade that? Give it a grade. I, I, you know, Jaime Garcia is funny because Minnesota thought they were out of it. Next thing you know, they get rid of Garcia and they're back right back in it. Yeah. You know, Garcia is a guy, you know, I don't know where he's going to fit in when it comes time to the playoffs. Okay. I don't see him as one of their starters. 
Sonny Gray is one of those guys that, unfortunately, the last couple of years he's had injury problems. Yeah. But he's been really good for the Yankees, but they just don't score for I him. I know. I mean, you go, he'll give up two runs and throw seven innings and lose two to one. Right. And you just don't get any kind of run support. And it, it's always interesting to me that, you know, a lot of top-of-the-line pitchers will go out, and if they're not throwing up zeros, they're going to wind up losing one nothing because right. for some reason their teams just don't score for him. But I really like that. he. If you look at his playoff run when he was with Oakland, he pitched two games in a division series, and he's not—he's not—he's not—you uh, know—he's not overwhelmed at all in those situations, and you love that about that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I think if the Yankees can get past, I would love to see him get to the, you know win the division because I think it works out better for them because mm-hmm. I think their starting rotation, their pitching staff is a lot better than I think any American League team, even though Cleveland is really hot. Yeah. That one game playoff, even though I love the wild card, it scares you because yeah. you know, anything can happen. Yeah. Now, what does that do with not getting a lot of run support? What does that do for a pitcher's psyche? It's tough. I don't know how they do it. You know, I, I played with Felix Fernandez out in Seattle, and he mm-hmm. was kind of the same way. Uh, you know, he would have to shut out teams in order to get wins. Right. Uh, you know, it, it's tough because you go out there knowing that, hey, I've got to throw up a zero every inning or I probably will not get a win. Uh, you can't, I guess, go out there and think that. You just have to keep continuing to do your job, and he does his job. Sonny Gray does a great job. You know, just not scoring. It's one of those things. And you know what? You can hang your hat that you, you've done a great job. You just don't have that W next year. Dave. Right. Now, the Yankees are, I think, two, two and a half back Red Sox. Do you think they win the AL East? Do you think they win the World Series? You know, they're, they're three games back because Boston won. They won late last yeah, night. Yeah, they won last night. Yeah. It's, you got 15, 16 games left. Your last four games that the Red Sox play against Houston, Houston's going to wind up playing the Red Sox in the playoffs, their first right. round, because right. the wild card team is going to play Cleveland. Cleveland's going to have the best record. Yeah. If I'm the Red Sox, even with the Indians, you're not showing your hand when you're going to see this team in the first division, in the first season, first series. So right. last, uh, those last four games are almost a loss for both teams. Right. It's going to be tough, I think, for the Yankees to win. They're three games behind. They have 15 games to go. They don't play the Red Sox at all. They're playing great baseball in September. But Boston seems to somehow keep winning games as well. Uh, and the only thing they can do is win and watch the scoreboard to see if Boston somehow loses. I think it's going to be tough. You know, I'm not going to say no, they can't win it because anything can happen. But it, it makes it tough with only two weeks left. All right, I think that, oh, and then what do you think, just my last question here, um, Hurricane Harvey, what do you think that, will it have an impact on the Houston Astros moving forward? Because they've been just about, I looked, 500 since the hurricane hit. You know, they really played, you know, they really played, haven't been playing great baseball in the second half. Right. Now they got Verlander, you know, they won, you know, they had a couple players who were disgruntled about not making a move in July. They did go out and put Verlander. They're going to get, they have Keiko healthy. They have McCullers that are healthy now. Uh, they are offensively, they're really strong. I, I think it's one of those motivation factors that, hey, you know what, we're going to do it for our city. And just like the Yankees when I played them back in 01 for 9-11, it's like, hey, you know, well, we can do the same thing in Seattle and play for the country. But it seemed like everybody wrapped themselves around New York. And I think Houston will wrap themselves around the Astros. And I think they'll wind up, anytime there's like a motivation factor, you always have to watch out and be aware of those teams. So I don't think it's going to affect them at all. Uh, they're going to have, what, matching numbers like two games for them to win the division. Yeah. So it's pretty easy for them, and then they can start setting up their rotation for the playoffs. Cool. All right, well, that was some baseball analytics. <laughs> Danielle uh, McCartan with Jeff Nelson, and thank you, and thanks for doing this with Joe yet again. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks. 
So Jeff Nelson, uh, he's always a great interview, a great baseball mind he has. And I always, I'm always thankful to Joe Qualiano with MinPros for bringing me along for everything that, that he does. Um, and I guess I guess I could say it. I guess uh, I could say this now on December 7th at Carmine Sports Bar in New York, in, the, in, the, in Brooklyn. We're going to have another uh, Italian American baseball launch event uh, with the Bobby Valentine is the guest of honor, and uh, Jeff Nelson will be there. Uh, John Franco, a bunch of other guys. So if you guys want to buy tickets to that, last year Mike Piazza even showed up. Um, go ahead, I, I'll see you there. It's uh, if you want to buy tickets, it's mintpros.com. And did you guys miss me every Sunday? Where have I been? <laughs> I'll let you know after the break. You know that boy's going to ask again, so let's be ready. Fine, I'll be him. You ready? I'm ready. Mom, could you hook me up with a GoPhone? You'll run up the bill, son. Yo, that's whack, Moms. GoPhone is totally different. What? It'll only cost me an arm? Chillax. It has unlimited talk and text. Seriously? Word. Okay, we'll get a GoPhone. Really? Uh, really? That is the bomb. Do you even know what the bomb means? Yes. No. Hey! GoPhone, only from AT&T. With unlimited talk to 65 million wireless AT&T customers and now unlimited text to anyone on any network. AT&T, your world delivered. Hi, Tom Bodet. I tried to write this script on my smartphone, but I couldn't figure out how to turn off the autocorrect feature. So you'll have to trust me when I say that at Motel 6, you can still get a clam comforter roam for the loamiest rice of any national chin. You can brook by carving 1-800-4-MOTEL-6 online or with our new mobile applesauce on your phone or toilet. I hate this duck and thong. I'm Tom Bordeaux for Motel 6, and we'll heave the bright on farm you. Close enough. Uh, and uh, just so you know, guys, every, uh, Muhammad Wilkerson is going to play today for the New York Jets. Tell me, where are you now that I need you? Where are you now? Where are you now that I need you? Couldn't find you anywhere. When you broke down, I didn't leave you. Oh. I was by your side So where are you now that I need you? Where are you now that I need you? So where have I been? Well, uh, since the last time I've been sitting in this chair, I've been a bunch of different places. I've had an audition with WFAN, thanks to Mark Chernoff, some of my followers. That's where I got you guys from, from that audition. Uh, I have been to Las Vegas, where I have been on their ESPN airwaves out there, um, and live on the phone, Chris Wynn, he's been great, he's a host of the show out there, uh, hi Chris, <laughs> Steve Cofield, Jersey guy out there, he's been so instrumental, Clay the producer, someone I met that I was out there, he does a great job, and Mark Seidel, the captain of the whole ship out there, thanks for having me on, always, and again soon, see you guys soon. I've done some WNBA coverage. Uh, I'd like to thank the New York Liberty Communications Department. Uh, obviously, uh, I jumped on that too late. Uh, next year, there will be plenty more WNBA from me. I hadn't thought about it, honestly. So uh, the two games that I covered happened to be thanks to the New York Liberty and thanks to the Washington Mystics. Uh, it was an incredible experience, and I will definitely be back next season. If you guys want to see any of that coverage, it's, it's really good stuff, really. Uh, it's on my website, prosportsrundown.com. And again, the MinPro Stadium events, Joe Qualiano, he's been an incredible resource for me throughout this whole little journey. 
And yes, I have. This is all since the last time I sat in this chair. And I have a special announcement. I will be the official color commentator for Princeton women's basketball. I'll be on TV. I'll be on ESPN3 and the Ivy League Network coming to your TVs this winter. More information, obviously, as the season approaches, I will hand out to you guys, my loyal listeners, on here every Sunday. And I just want to thank you for spending your Sunday morning with me, Sunday afternoon now. Uh, I want you to enjoy the games. Let's go Jets in a huge game, 1 o'clock game at the Meadowlands. And, uh, you know, let's go Giants, but not too much because I have the Broncos as my survivor pick. So today... Let's go Broncos. See you guys next Sunday, 11 a.m. Eastern Sharp. Follow my work, prosportsrundown.com, and on the social media at Coach McCartan, soundcloud.com slash Coach McCartan, facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Thanks. See you next week. Follow me on Twitter at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. To find my work on YouTube and SoundCloud, Search with no spaces, Coach McCartan. Subscribe yourself so you don't have trouble finding it in the future. That's it for today, everybody. Listen live next Sunday, 1.30 to 2.30 p.m.